0: Hello, beautifuls. Welcome to Her Sexual Space, a podcast where we create a sex-positive space to engage in empowering discussions for building relational and sexual awareness. I am your host, Janice. This week, we have an amazing guest, Shanae honestly, Nay Adams. Pronouns she, they, serves her community in a variety of ways, including therapist, educator, and sex-positive enthusiast. Her mission is sexuality normalization, explanation, and melanated representation. Her passion revolves around the liberation of embracing sexuality. She is known for her dynamic workshops, sex-positive mindset, and eliminating the taboo surrounding sex and sexuality. Her dom persona, Saya, pronounced they/them, is a sensual bratty vampire. Their dom motivation is earning your submission through intentional trust building. She specializes in sensation play, including impact and electric play, as well as psychological domination and brat-breaking. Their favorite tributes are Cash and Prosecco. Welcome to the podcast, Shanae. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you've been on my list for a very long time. And due to, I guess, natural causes, we've had to delay this episode. (laughs) Yeah, but we're here now, and that's what matters. <laughs> right. So I know I kind of touched on your identities. Um, would you like to just go ahead and maybe, you know, say to yourself, how do you identify in the world?
1: Sure. So I identify as a masculine center, queer black woman with an X. Uh, my pronouns are she, they, um, and I am currently in a monogamous relationship, and I identify as a community-minded hoe, as a mental health clinician. I'm out here being somebody's therapist. Um, (laughs) I am a sexuality professional. I'm a sex-positive enthusiast. Uh, I'm like a person who really just enjoys creating space and holding community and and showing up for people.
0: I love all of that. Thank you for breaking that down. I love that community-minded hoe. Who would have thought that would be a thing?
1: Right, it's going I on my next it. business card. Community, Yes, <laughs> it's so inclusive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was your path to where you are right now? So you are a therapist, you do so many things. You do workshops, you're educating. What was your own path to, to getting here?
1: Sure. So I feel like, and I don't know, if you reach out to some of them, they might correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like I was always kind of like the sex pert of my friends, uh, definitely in like high school and middle school. I remember watching like Real Sex, um, Talk Sex with Sue Johansson. Talk Sex was like the show that I watched. And I was like, yo, if this old white lady can have a, a show and a career just talking about like sex and sexuality, like I could do that too. Right. I don't see why I wouldn't be able to do it. So I took that and when I was an undergrad, I joined a group called SHAPE, which stands for Sexual Health Advocate Peer Educators. And they basically taught us all about human sexuality. They taught us about workshop presentation style, how to create a workshop, how to send a proposal, classroom management techniques. Mm -hmm. And it was because of our director of SHAPE, uh, Heather eastman Mueller. Once I saw that, like, I was like, you know, Talk sex with Sue was like, this can be done. And then seeing Heather, it was like, yo, this can be done. And I was like, yo, I want this job. Like, obviously, this is like a valid career path. And then this kind of finding that I really loved presenting and creating workshops and talking about things in a way that was new, interesting yeah. and exciting to me. And just being like, I and then being like, I'm good at this. People are yes. requesting me. <laughs> <laughs> So I that's, must be doing something right. Yes, that's
0: awesome. And I mean I have seen your work on YouTube. I haven't attended a live session, but I have seen I've seen your work. So it's it's awesome. And I like just your approach to it. It's just um It's almost like like when you do your presentations with um, BDSM, um, I think that is just it's such a way that people can just relate to. And I also like that you bring in that melanation, (laughs) that melanated representation. I think that is so important for people in our communities to see because sometimes we think. These things are not for us, right?
1: (laughs) Well, and then that was also like a whole nother aspect of once I saw these two white women who were doing this, I was like, well, why the hell? Like they're doing it in a particular way. They're doing it in their white lady way, which tells me that there's a, there's a career, this career exists. And if they can get in it, I can get in it and blow it up too. So after I got out of undergrad, I graduated from the university of Missouri. Um, I, what did I do? (laughs) I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I was a health Peace Corps volunteer in Rwanda. I lived at a community health center and I taught women about uh, Depo-Provera, long lasting -lasting birth control and like malaria prevention. Um, And once I got out of that, I worked at Planned Parenthood. So it was like every job since Shape has been like sex positive in some way, dealing within the realm of sexuality. And it was really like the more that I kind of dug into sex and sexuality, the more I was like really interested in, like, okay, what aren't people talking about in this field? And that's how I kind of got to pink. And.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Hindsight is twenty twenty. So looking back, I now know, you know, I've always been a very kinky person. (laughs) (laughs) And now, you know, as I decided to take kind of more of like an academic perspective of kink, really starting to look at like the intersections that exist in kink and how these intersecting identities show up and how people play and, and what people are doing. And through there, really starting to find like, you know, like Black kinksters, queer kinksters femme kinksters and like getting past what mainstream society tells us that kink is Mm -hmm. and in exploring that i started seeing in like a lot of my workshops that in my kink and my non my my kink and my vanilla quote-unquote we like to say um but seeing that people wanted to spend more time one-on-one with me after my workshops because i had you know created this environment where people felt like they could explore and engage and tap in And community was asking me to to show up in this like one on one on one space. Uh, And that's what prompted me to go ahead and get my master's in clinical counseling. Um, And in doing that, I wanted to be a clinician because I want to be able to kind of like have a full understanding and like run the full gambit of mental health. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty smart. Yeah. But like a lot of my clients do come to me because they are queer or they're kinksters or they have some kind of like sexual trauma or they have some kind of sexual sexuality related need that they want to explore. And it's just been so cool to combine, you know, more of an understanding about like how humans work and how our brains work and how society makes us work and and what's happening like in kinky spaces and, and trying to bring that sex positive lens, like even my clients who don't have sex or sexuality related issues, because I'm sex positive, they're like, oh, I know no matter what I bring in this room, it's going to be held and it's going to be safe and it's going to be okay. And that creates the the therapeutic relationship that can lead to people reaching their goals.
0: Right. That alliance, which is so important. And that's what I like so much about sexuality professionals. I think we see a side of it that other professionals don't see. And I, I hope that we can all be sex positive. That's, that's my, my hope, right? That's my goal.
1: Yeah. Like I'm even like writing a workshop right now talking about how the goal of sexuality education is sex positivity. You know, we talk about how sex positivity needs to like exist in these spaces, but it needs to be like that is like what we're what we're reaching for. And this how sex positivity will impact all of our communities and our society as a whole for the better.
0: Yeah. Seeing that big picture. Mm -hmm. yes i love it i love it thank you so much for dominating the space because we we need that and we need more people like you
1: (laughs) absolutely and there's space for all of us like i get so many requests from people who are like um who are like how do I, is there a space for me to exist? Can I do this? I see the work that you do. And it's like, yes, show up as you do this work as you. Cause there's space for you here. Yes. And there's clients for everybody.
0: (laughs) We're not running out of clients. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So the million dollar question, we're here for threesomes, right? Absolutely. How do you define a threesome? First of all,
1: So I would say that a threesome is an event where three or more people um, who are attracted to each other and interested in exploring with each other have the conversations and the agreements in place to engage in whatever kind of pleasurable experience they have established from Jump Street.
0: Love that. I love that. So, what, we, very... what do we know about what, what do we know about threesomes? Right, we know that they rank really high on on fantasies. Right, mm-hmm. research has shown that. Um, from your work, I wonder how much of this comes up.
1: Yeah, I have this, like, I hear a lot from people that there's this, this assumption that, like, if you haven't had a threesome, you are, like, behind the curve, or if you have, like, if you are, if you're not um, non-monogamous, there's something, like, then you're not actually kinky, or you're not actually sex positive, positive. Mm-hmm. and, you know, I was very intentional with that definition in saying that it is based yes. on a pleasurable experience that does not mean sex, that does not mean penetrative sex that does not mean kink or bondage. It means that you have agreed to engage in this container in which pleasure is the goal. Yes. And that makes space for pleasurable and non-pleasurable experiences. Mm -hmm. And once you kind of expand that definition into threesomes, then it becomes a lot more normalized. Like have you and, and two friends ever Netflixed and chilled? Did y'all agree yes. to Netflix and chill? You had a threesome. Yes. We'll go out on dates. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's like by by expanding the definition and be, by creating more space for intersectionality, we can start mm-hmm. to to normalize the experience of pleasure and the experience of community building and community making and sustaining in this very constrictive view of like what a quote unquote threesome should be.
0: I love that. Thank you for breaking it down like that and kind of bringing it down to the level where people can see like we are, we already do this, right? We already meet in threes and we do things, you know, so it's just adding that pleasure to it, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, expanding the concept of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So the question I get very often is how can couples begin dialogues about exploring threesomes? It seems as if it is... It is hard to, and, and just because of how a lot of us were raised. So I speak mainly to a lot of my people in the Caribbean, right? There are certain things that are seen as, you know, we'll, we'll never do that, right? So I do get a lot of um, feedback from couples who, who are interested in these things. So how can they begin to even have those conversations?
1: Yeah. So I always like to start, especially when I have couples who come into my office who are interested in exploring kind of this concept of ethical non-monogamy um, about what draws you to this. What about mm-hmm. this seems interesting or what about this seems like something that could benefit your relationship? Cause that's the goal is engaging in this going to be a benefit or a hindrance to your relationship. Um, and really exploring kind of like what the value of it is and what are the tools that y'all have in place in order to engage in this? You know, if you're not a couple who can have very intentional and difficult conversations, if you're maybe a couple who shuts down when hard things come up, it tells me that y'all don't have the skills in place to handle some of the obstacles that can come up with bringing another human into your dynamic and into your relationship. Um, from there, I like to also talk about, you know, the fact that non-monogamy and threesomes are very like subjective. Right. So we need very clear definitions, very clear goals, very clear image, a picture about what it is that you're interested in exploring and experiencing. And, you know, sometimes people are like, well, we just want to we want to kick things up a notch. We want things to be like fiery and exciting. And then it becomes, well, tell me what you're already doing and what about that isn't fiery or exciting? You know, what can we do with what you're already doing to help make that fiery and exciting before we bring in this whole other human who's going to have their own needs and expectations Mm -hmm. and desires? Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the different formats, the different types of threesomes, like how do you structure your threesomes?
1: So some of the structures that um, a lot of people see will be like, like a male male female threesome or a female female male threesome which is kind of rooted in like heteronormativity yeah. and like the idea that um you know that sex occurs sex can only occur when there's like a penis around or something like that mm-hmm. um so when we talk about like different dynamics of threesomes I always like to say that it's important that everybody is attracted to each other yeah <laughs> and that everybody is interacting with each other because that's what's going to make it a lot more, um, enjoyable is the word that's coming to mind, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. Everybody needs a turn. There we yeah. go. It yeah. Can re- <laughs> <laughs> it could be really overwhelming if you're the only person receiving, or if you're the only person who's like giving pleasure. So if everyone is interested in the pleasure of everyone in the space, now there's like this, like. This dealing out of energy, and you can like spend your energy giving and receiving. Maybe you want to spend your energy watching. So, when we talk about like the different types or formats of threesomes they're as vast as the number of humans are on the planet you know you can have like I said like you can have a threesome Netflix and chilling it's a threesome if two people are engaging and one person is being a voyeur and watching Yeah, you know and they're engaging in some exhibitionism you know there's also a lot Mm. of opportunities to infuse other kinds of kinks where if you have two sadists together and one masochist that's a format you've got a masochist, a sadist, and a switch. That's a format. So we can move past like genitals, the body parts that people yes. are bringing into the room. We can have all kinds of different layers and textures of flavors about the pleasure that is to be enjoyed in this space. So it's and, really, I'm, it's all subjective.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I just said, I'm thinking about all of the, the diverse aspects that one could explore in even creating or <laughs> you know pursuing their dream threesome
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's again like what you're looking for what is it that you want to experience yes that's the format that you're going for
0: right i love it so what boundaries are healthy to establish so you did touch on a little bit about some of your own questioning inve- investigative questioning but if you could share with us um just what boundaries from the onset that couples should be talking about as they create their agreements for this.
1: Yeah. I feel like the main thing that comes up is out here when people are talking about engaging in non-monogamy or having a non-monogamous experience is this concept of cheating. And when we look at definitely from like a heteronormative lens, the, the theory of cheating is unspoken, but all knowing, and everyone should like automatically understand there doesn't need to be any more like fleshing out about like what quote unquote cheating means. Right. And that sets people up for failure because if you have unspoken expectations you just have premeditated resentment and you need to be able to have everyone needs to be on the same page from the same like standing so one of the first healthiest boundaries to establish or one of the first healthy tools that really needs to be in place is that, like the ability to communicate and the ability to kind of advocate for self and for what you need and being able to have trust in your relationship. So that way you can show up with this that level art. of vulnerability. <laughs> right. Um, also having like, you know, this very like qu- clear conversation of fleshing out what is cheating? Because if we look at it, cheating is merely a breach of contract. You know, for some people, the contract of the relationship is you don't have sex with other people. And if you do, then you've breached the contract you're cheating in a non-monogamous relationship having sex with other people may be fine but you can't have sex with this person and if you do Mm -hmm. you've broken the contract you can't have sex with people from this pool you can't have this kind of sex with people you know sex is and then having like sex is subjective does that mean i can have like an emotional and physical connection with this person or should our connections be purely physical in nature you know you really have to start to have these very nitty gritty conversations, getting down to like the minute details about what it means and what it's, what, what should it feel like, you know, at what point do you get to revoke your consent for this boundary that's been established or for the, the late, the, the wording of this contract, you know, when do we, when do we go back in and, um, kind of reestablish what all of this is looking like. So it's, It's having these really nitty gritty, intense, sometimes difficult, often anxiety producing conversations Mm -hmm. and having the tools in place to come out of them on the other side. Stronger and tighter and still in, you know, that positive relationship. Yes,
0: all of it. Thank you so much for that. So how would how do people decide on whether to explore with a friend or a stranger and what are some things to be? be aware of
1: yeah so i always like to tell people that if you are like if you're seriously interested in this threesome if you're interested in having you know this pleasurable experience with this other human neither of y'all have done this before you're both like anxious you have expectations and goals and you want to do stuff hire a sex worker There are people who do this for a living, people who will be there to help guide you through the experience, guide you through the conversations, work with you on setting boundaries, and just bring a whole vast of knowledge into this space to help to create the best experience possible for you. So bar none, if this is something that you want to do, I always tell people, hire a sex worker because they out there. They out there ready for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I like that approach, but what if it becomes more instructional and, and, and and that person doesn't get, you know, their own needs met, I wonder, wouldn't that create a bit of a conflict?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, um, when it comes to like, I I feel like your question is like if this other person comes in and they come in from like an educator standpoint (laughs) and they, and now this couple is like, we just wanted to have fun sex, not a Ted talk. Right, right. So, um, you know, I will say that the sex workers I know who Mm -hmm. are engaged in creating these experiences for people, they know what they're doing. You know, the the first part of y'all's engagement is going to be them exploring with you and asking what it is that you want. And as this is their job, as they are invested in your pleasure, then you're probably going to leave with knowledge and pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you should leave with you shouldn't leave feeling like you just got out of a college class for credit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I think that's that's good. And, and I wonder, so how do they negotiate, um, you know, just how much time spent with each individual? Like you said, everyone needs to get a turn, right? And what do they do when when jealousy shows up? You know, do we pause and talk about it? Like what what is <laughs> what does that yeah. look like?
1: <laughs> so that's something that like, so um, especially with like like a sex worker, or someone who does this for a living, that's something that they're going to flesh out and help y'all be there to explore and negotiate, right? What are you hoping to experience? What is something that you don't want to happen? Are there no touch zones? Are there yes touch zones? Is kissing okay? Is kissing not okay? You know, being able to have someone who fleshes this out and then another benefit may be having someone who knows to look out for these human cues who can you know put a put, hit the pause button real quick and help yeah. to draw people back in and help to make sure that you're feeling safe and you're feeling comfortable and if you're not guide you through the processing of what you're experiencing cuz you know sometimes you don't know what's going to happen until you get in it and it can definitely be hard to speak up and say this is what I'm experiencing I don't know if I want to do this or maybe I need like you know a check in or aftercare. And that's why we get into like consent, how we get into communication in the moment and being able to, to check in on boundaries and having those check-in moments to make sure that everyone is engaged and is enjoying themselves. Yeah. On the same page.
0: And that's another reason why I love safe words, right? Absolutely. (laughs) That would be a great, a great place to kind of use that. So is orgasms always the goal? I mean, how do do people decide who comes first?
1: So when you expand this to being a pleasurable experience,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know if pleasure is the goal then anything that's that's pleasurable can be welcome um but that also might look different for different people so if you want to have a conversation about like can you orgasm in this then you do have that conversation of like who comes first um but i always like to tell people you know nothing screws up trying to have an orgasm like trying (laughs) to have an orgasm.
0: Right. <laughs> um,
1: and that's why if we're open to pleasure, if pleasure in this moment does look like orgasm, then that's what happens. But then the main question, what I'm seeing is the question under this question is, what do I do if I never made you come like that before? And now here you are in this space coming like that. Yeah. Yeah. So then the question that I would ask then for that couple is, what is the story you're telling yourself concerning your partner's orgasm? Are you telling yourself that you're less than that? You're not worthy that your partner doesn't like you as much or isn't attracted to you as much. Like what is the story that's coming with, with this feeling or with this belief? And then we can start to have this conversation about, where this story is coming from, what it is, what is it rooted in, you know, maybe there's some learning or some unlearning that needs to take place. But if we're all kind of focused on pleasure, you don't get to dictate how somebody's pleasure looks in a moment. Because I could, you know, what's going to stop your partner from saying, well, you didn't come. So now I'm telling myself that you don't like me or you didn't like this, So you're thinking something different of me now. Right. Very likely.
0: So in all of this, I'm hearing that a threesome is not something you can just surprise someone with, right? Because of all the intentional work that goes on behind the scenes.
1: Yes, no, a surprise threesome is not, it's like surprise anal. Nobody wants that. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't say, and then even like, you know, I'll hear from some people of like, well, we had a threesome two years ago, so I just set another one up. And it's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. In order for, you know, for it to be ethical, the ethics part of it is the values exploration and the conversation, the the making space for the nerves and the hesitancy, the the making space mm-hmm. to have these hard conversations, conversations and discussing yeah. value. You know, you can't just, you can't, it's not, it, it's not in support of the relationship to spring up something so you know big and so energy consuming on someone without having the structures in place to make sure that everybody's going to be as okay as they can when they come out of it
0: yeah and you touched a little bit on aftercare can you tell us a little bit of what um what what that looks like um for those involved
1: yeah so aftercare is kind of when we think about being in like a sexy scenario, whether that's engaging in like a kink scene or even having sex, there's a lot of changes that happens to the body. You know, heart rates are increasing. Dopamine, oxytocin is being released. There's all kinds of feel good neural receptors that people are experiencing. You know, even the progress of arousal involves these these uh, neurotransmitters entering into the bloodstream, creating these experiences and these sensations, and then depleting and the body returning back to homeostasis. So aftercare is in support of the body returning back to homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And it can look differently for different people, depending on what they're doing, where they're doing, how they came into this space, right? So if we think about like kink and BDSM, aftercare, after a spanking could be you know, cuddles or putting cold compresses on the area or giving someone praise, you know, doing whatever you need to do to help that person return back to a level of grounding. Yeah. sex after sex, sex after sex, after care, after sex could be most hell. I don't know your life, but after care, after sex could be, um, having like kind of a sex check-in of like, I always like to say like a post sex interview. What did you like? What didn't you like? What could we leave? How do we make this better next time? It could look like cuddles. It could look like ordering food, you know, aftercare looks different for, for so many people and it looks different based on what you're doing. And that's why you want to have like kind of that conversation beforehand of like, so once this is done, do we immediately send this person like out of the room? What does the aftercare look like for this person, for us, you know? And, and sometimes you don't know until you get in it. And it also means creating space to be like, Hey, check in with me a little more intentionally after this to see what I need because to be honest, I don't know what I'll need until we're done. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I think those are conversations that everyone should be having, you know, Absolutely. about their own sex lives, you know, because that just creates that that safety net, that safety right after. And and I love that. You know, whether it's, you know, I might need some water or I might need, you know, a treat, right?
1: (laughs) Right. And even if we think about like other dimensions of people's lives, like you're engaging in aftercare in all kinds of settings. When you get off work, do you need to sit in the car for 10 minutes? That's aftercare. (laughs) If you go shopping, do you need to like do a happy dance and like get your twerk on? That's aftercare. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love that. Is there anything we didn't touch on that might be very important to know on the subject of threesomes?
1: Yeah, I think if the main takeaway is that threesomes are very subjective and that's why there needs to be like extensive dialogue to take place before then. And I also like to tell people like, you know what, no matter how much talking you do beforehand, There's always more conversation to be had after there's always more conversation to be had during, you know, and your your safety, your comfortability and your pleasure is most important as you're engaging in these. And that means that you want to have, you know, exit strategies, like you said, safe words, like what's going to happen if we get into this and midway we realize that, like, hey, we'd rather just be by ourselves. We have a sa- We have a safety word in process. What's going to happen if I need to step away? Does that mean the action stops or do y'all keep going while I take a breather? You know, you want to have those conversations, but I also like to tell people like, as intense as these conversations can be, don't get too in your head. You don't need to like have some like five thousand word contract in place right before you can do this because you also want to be open to whatever's going to come. But also just be, just know that you have emotions. Humans have emotions. I know we touched on like jealousy and that means like I hear from people that like, oh, non-monogamous people don't get jealous. Jealousy is a human emotion. Humans get jealous. non-monogamous yeah yeah, it's, it's how you it's what you do with that jealousy do you allow yourself to move from a point of jealousy or do you sit with that jealousy and explore what's the story I'm telling myself that goes with this feeling and what do I what do I need to do about it what help do I need to do about it and being kind of like open receptive and and vulnerable
0: love it thank you so much for sharing that It's so nice to have experts on these subjects. Any workshops or classes that you're currently working on?
1: Absolutely. So coming up this March, I am doing um, my kink and color workshop where I'm going to be introducing folks to kinksters of color and then also talking about the intersectionality that exists with being a kinky person of color and the unique perspective that some of us have in kink communities for the University of Denver on the 11th. Um, I have a impact play workshop coming up on the 26th and all of this will be on my Instagram and on my website. So if I'm saying these things and you're interested, um, Check, check the Insta, check the the, the, the waste book, the, the (laughs) website. (laughs) Um, And then I'm also uh, doing an interview about race and kink with Luna Matatas and Marla uh, Siena's Mm -hmm. uh, Stewart. (laughs) And we're going to be doing that. um, And just really kind of getting to like the intersectionality of, of race and kink and how those dynamics play in our play spaces.
0: Love it. I need to make note of all of those things. So I'm going to ask you to to maybe share your um, your Instagram and your website if you want to yeah. go ahead and do that.
1: Absolutely. Oh, and then I'm doing a workshop called Hacking Arousal, where we're going to talk about the difference between desire and arousal. And then I'll be guiding people through um, activities where they can help to kind of track their own arousal, learn more about their own desires and their own fantasies. Yes. And that's coming up. Um, I want to say like on the 18th, the 19th, 20th. If you go to my website, honestly, N-A-E dot com or my Instagram which is at honestly nae all of those details all of that information is there I highly recommend that you sign up for my newsletters because I give away sex toys and treats and goodies and Yay. stuff for people who um I want to support those that support me you know yeah. <laughs> and um, I also have a YouTube channel honest sex with honestly nay that mm-hmm. is in the process of being rebooted so that way I can Continue to, you know, create community and hold space for all the sex positivity that I got.
0: Yes. Love it. So I am also a career as junkie. So I like to just say, I know you should a little bit about your background, but how would you, what advice would you give someone who wanted to pursue a career such as yours?
1: Yes. So um, if you're interested in being a sexuality professional, there's several certifications and classes and such that exist out there um i know that i am coming from the perspective of being like a college educated person you do not have to go to college to do this you can if you would like Uh, but i also just want to acknowledge you know that that is a privilege to be To come from the background in which I do, I know several educators who are self-taught, who are out here just in the in the tufts of it and just learning and and pushing out that knowledge. So there's not one direct path. The path that I took served me um, and the path that you can create for yourself will also be very serving for you. I always like to tell people to reach out and get help. I have several coaches. I have several mentees who I'm trying to help, you know, reach their goals and get to where they want. Um, So there's not there's not one avenue to do this. There creates a lot of opportunity for flexibility. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. I know folks who are sexuality educators for nonprofits, for college campuses, for Um, agencies and community centers. So there's, there's no one way to do this. You can definitely get in if you're interested. For sure.
0: Well, thank you so much, Shanae. It was a pleasure having you on. This has been a highly requested topic and I hope our listeners uh, will be thrilled by all of the information. Uh, So thank you again for just uh, making time for us to connect today.
1: Absolutely. And if y'all have more questions or if this is like a deeper dive that I need to do, I'm do, I do Q&A's on my YouTube channel. So please shoot me an email, honestlynay at gmail.com or just go to honestlynay.com. Um, you'll find me there. And from there, you'll also track down information about my mental health practice, uh, my, my mental coaching practice and the community resource center that I'm co-founder of here based in Denver, Colorado
0: love it well thank you so much and to our listeners thank you so much for joining us this week on her sexual space for more information about this week's topic you can check out our instagram page where i'm gonna feature our lovely guest at her sexual space podcast and you can also visit our website at www.hersexualspace.com thank you have a great week
1: bye bye